Section thirty six of Our Mutual Friend by Charles Dickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section thirty six of Our Mutual Friend by Charles Dickens. Book the third, chapter three the same respected friend in more aspects than one in sooth it is riderhood and no other or it is the outer husk and shell of riderhood and no other that is borne into miss abby's first-floor bedroom supple to twist and turn as the rogue has ever been he is sufficiently rigid now and not without much shuffling of attendant feet and tilting of his beer this way and that and peril even of his sliding off it and being tumbled in a heap over the balustrades can he be got upstairs fetch a doctor quoth miss abby and then fetch his daughter on both of which errands quick messengers depart the doctor seeking messenger meets the doctor halfway coming under convoy of police doctor examines the dank carcass and pronounces not hopefully that it is worth while trying to reanimate the same all the best means are at once in action and everybody present lends a hand and a heart and a soul no one has the least regard for the man with them all he has been an object of avoidance suspicion and aversion but the spark of life within him is curiously separable from himself now and they have a deep interest in it probably because it is life and they are living and must die in answer to the doctor's inquiry how did it happen and was anyone to blame tom tootle gives in his verdict unavoidable accident and no one to blame but the sufferer he was slinking about in his boat says tom which slinking were not to speak ill of the dead the manner of the man when he came right athwart the steamer's bows and she cut him in two mr tootle is so far figurative touching the dismemberment as that he means the boat and not the man for the man lies whole before them captain joey the bottle-nosed regular customer in the glazed hat is a pupil of the much respected old school and having insinuated himself into the chamber in the execution of the important service of carrying the drowned man's neckerchief favors the doctor with a sagacious old scholastic suggestion that the body should be hung up by the heels similar says captain joey to mutton in a butcher's shop and should then as a particularly choice manoeuvre for promoting easy respiration be rolled upon casks these scraps of the wisdom of the captain's ancestors are received with such speechless indignation by miss abby that she instantly seizes the captain by the collar and without a single word ejects him not presuming to remonstrate from the scene there then remain to assist the doctor and tom only those three other regular customers bob glamour william williams and jonathan family name of the latter if any unknown to mankind who are quite enough miss abby having looked in to make sure that nothing is wanted descends to the bar and there awaits the result with the gentle jew and miss jenny wren if you are not gone for good mr riderhood it would be something to know where you are hiding at present 
this flabby lump of mortality that we work so hard at with such patient perseverance yields no sign of you if you are gone for good rogue it is very solemn and if you are coming back it is hardly less so nay in the suspense and mystery of the latter question involving that of where you may be now there is a solemnity even added to that of death making us who are in attendance alike afraid to look on you and to look off you and making those below start at the least sound of a creaking plank in the floor stay did that eyelid tremble so the doctor breathing low and closely watching asks himself no did that nostril twitch no this artificial respiration ceasing do i feel any faint flutter under my hand upon the chest no over and over again no no but try over and over again nevertheless see a token of life an indubitable token of life the spark may smolder and go out or it may glow and expand but see the four rough fellows seeing shed tears neither riderhood in this world nor riderhood in the other could draw tears from them but a striving human soul between the two can do it easily he is struggling to come back now he is almost here now he is far away again now he is struggling harder to get back and yet like us all when we swoon like us all every day of our lives when we wake he is instinctively unwilling to be restored to the consciousness of this existence and would be left dormant if he could bob glittery returns with pleasant riderwood who was out when sought for and hard to find she has a shawl over her head and her first action when she takes it off weeping and curtsies to miss abby is to wind her hair up thank you miss abby for having father here i am bound to say girl i didn't know who it was returns miss abby but i hope it would have been pretty much the same if i had known poor pleasant fortified with a sip of brandy is ushered into the first-floor chamber she could not express much sentiment about her father if she were called upon to pronounce his funeral oration but she has a greater tenderness for him than he ever had for her and crying bitterly when she sees him stretched unconscious asks the doctor with clasped hands is there no hope sir oh poor father is poor father dead to which the doctor on one knee beside the body busy and watchful only rejoins without looking round now my girl unless you have the self-command to be perfectly quiet i cannot allow you to remain in the room pleasant consequently wipes her eyes with her back hair which is in fresh need of being wound up and having got it out of the way watches with terrified interest all that goes on her natural woman's aptitude soon renders her able to give a little help anticipating the doctor's want of this or that she quietly has it ready for him and so by degrees is entrusted with the charge of supporting her father's head upon her arm it is something so new to pleasant to see her father an object of sympathy and interest to find any one very willing to tolerate his society in this world not to say pressingly and soothingly entreating him to belong to it that it gives her a sensation she never experienced before some hazy idea that if affairs could remain thus for a long time it would be a respectable change floats in her mind 
also some vague idea that the old evil is drowned out of him and that if he should happily come back to resume his occupation of the empty form that lies upon the bed his spirit will be altered in which state of mind she kisses the stony lips and quite believes that the impassive hand she chafes will revive under a tender hand if it revive ever sweet delusion for pleasant riderhood but they minister to him with such extraordinary interest their anxiety is so keen their vigilance is so great their excited joy grows so intense as the signs of life strengthen that how can she resist it poor thing and now he begins to breathe naturally and he stirs and the doctor declares him to have come back from the inexplicable journey where he stopped on the dark road and to be here tom tootle who is nearest to the doctor when he says this grasps the doctor fervently by the hand bob glamour william williams and jonathan of the no surname all shake hands with one another round and with the doctor too bob glamour blows his nose and jonathan of the no surname is moved to do likewise but lacking a pocket handkerchief abandons the outlet for his emotion pleasant sheds tears deserving her own name and her sweet delusion is at its height there is intelligence in his eyes he wants to ask a question he wonders where he is tell him father you were run down on the river and are at miss abby potterson's he stares at his daughter stares all around him closes his eyes and lies slumbering on her arm the short-lived delusion begins to fade the low bad unimpressible face is coming up from the depths of the river or what other depths to the surface again as he grows warm the doctor and the four men cool as his lineaments soften with life their faces and their hearts harden to him he will do now says the doctor washing his hands and looking at the patient with growing disfavor many a better man moralizes tom tootle with a gloomy shake of the head ain't had his luck it's to be hoped he'll make a better use of his life says bob glamour than i expect he will or than he done afore adds william williams but no not he says jonathan of the no surname clinching the quartet they speak in a low tone because of his daughter but she sees that they have all drawn off and that they stand in a group at the other end of the room shunning him it would be too much to suspect them of being sorry that he didn't die when he had done so much towards it but they clearly wish that they had had a better subject to bestow their pains on intelligence is conveyed to miss abby in the bar who reappears on the scene and contemplates from a distance holding whispered discourse with the doctor the spark of life was deeply interesting while it was in abeyance but now that it has got established in mr riderhood there appears to be a general desire that circumstances had admitted of its being developed in anybody else rather than that gentleman however says miss abby cheering them up you have done your duty like good and true men and you had better come down and take something at the expense of the porters this they all do leaving the daughter watching the father to whom in their absence bob glittery presents himself his gills looks rum don't they says bob after inspecting the patient pleasant faintly nods his gills'll look rummer when he wakes won't they says bob pleasant hopes not why 
when he finds himself here you know bob explains cause miss abby forbid him in the house and ordered him out of it but what you may call the fates ordered him into it again which is rumness ain't it he wouldn't have come here of his own accord returns poor pleasant with an effort at a little pride no retorts bob nor he wouldn't have been let in if he had the short delusion is quite dispelled now as plainly as she sees on her arm the old father unimproved pleasant sees that everybody there will cut him when he recovers consciousness i'll take him away ever so soon as i can thinks pleasant with a sigh he's best at home presently they all return and wait for him to become conscious that they will all be glad to get rid of him some clothes are got together for him to wear his own being saturated with water and his present dress being composed of blankets becoming more and more uncomfortable as though the prevalent dislike were finding him out somewhere in his sleep and expressing itself to him the patient at last opens his eyes wide and is assisted by his daughter to sit up in bed well riderhood says the doctor how do you feel he replies gruffly nothing to boast on having in fact returned to life in an uncommonly sulky state i don't mean to preach but i hope says the doctor gravely shaking his head that this escape may have a good effect upon you riderhood the patient's discontented growl of a reply is not intelligible his daughter however could interpret if she would that what he says is he don't want no paul parroting mr riderhood next demands his shirt and draws it on over his head with his daughter's help exactly as if he had just had a fight warn't it a steamer he pauses to ask her yes father i'll have the law on her bust her and make her pay for it he then buttons his linen very moodily twice or thrice stopping to examine his arms and hands as if to see what punishment he has received in the fight he then doggedly demands his other garments and slowly gets them on with an appearance of great malevolence toward his late opponent and all the spectators he has an impression that his nose is bleeding and several times draws the back of his hand across it and looks for the result in a pugilistic manner greatly strengthening that incongruous resemblance where's my fur cap he asks in a surly voice when he has shuffled his clothes on in the river somebody rejoins and weren't there no honest man to pick it up o oh, course there was though and to cut off with it arterwards you are a rare lot all on you thus mr riderwood taking from the hands of his daughter with special ill-will a lent cap and grumbling as he pulls it down over his ears then getting on his unsteady legs leaning heavily upon her and growling hold still can't you what you must be a staggering next must you he takes his departure out of the ring in which he has had that little turn-up with death End of section 36 of Our Mutual Friend by Charles Dickens Read by Don W. Jenkins Rancho San Diego, California Shaggybark.blogspot.com